What's going on? Yerks here, and welcome to Yerks Talks. Tuesday, March 9th, and this is my like third time trying to record this Monday episode. But like the laptop I'm using to record is just not having it. First time I started re- resetting or like updating as I was recording. Second time there was like a memory issue from like the the update. And so now here we are and I'm just trying to get it out at this point. <laughs> but yeah, I hope everybody had a good weekend. Hope everybody had a solid Monday. Here we are. So today's episode, we're going to be talking some more Pod Squad. I'm going to recap some of the games that happened last week. And then we are going to be talking about the NFL. There's already some stuff happening this week. I said this week was going to be very chaotic. And there's going to be a lot of news, stories, and things like that. So we're going to keep going on our season recap of all the teams. We're going to finish with the AFC today by covering the AFC West. So that is the plan for this episode. Okay, before we get in to Pod Squad and the NFL stuff, I did want to recap some stuff that happened over the weekend. So we had some NBA stuff. More particularly, we had the NBA All-Star Game, which uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, how they can fix this. It's like yeah, it's just such it's in such like a weird state right now. It's just like a weird spot. The All Star Game. It just like for like for players, it seems awesome, right? Like it looked like LeBron was having fun out there with Steph Curry, and then like you know you had uh, Team Durant that didn't have Kevin Durant, which good job NBA. Uh, I mean, I think he was hurt or something. And so I, it's just strange. I don't know, man. Uh, Team LeBron, they he beat Team Durant by a score of 170 to 150. So just like the regular season, no defense was being played, which is just fantastic. Um, I don't know, man. It's just weird. Uh, it's Like at halftime, it was 100 to 180. It's like, okay, game, uh, like, I'm over it, you know. But uh, for LeBron's team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he was your all-star game MVP. He was lights out shooting, and I mean lights out, 35 points, 16 of 16 from the field, which is just bonkers. Uh, Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, they were just hucking it and chucking it from all over the court. Uh, They both had back-to-back half-court threes. Lillard's was basically at half-court. Steph Curry's was a little bit forward than that i think people forgot about steph curry because he didn't uh play at all like last like past couple of seasons like they just like forgot that steph curry's really good at basketball i don't know what it is but yeah him and lillard they both shot eight of 16 from three lillard had 32 points steph curry had 28 jalen brown for the celtics at 22 paul george 17 off the bench yeah i mean I don't know what else to say. Like It's just 170 to 150. Uh, for Team Durant, like I said, no Kevin Durant in this one. And we didn't also didn't have Embiid or Simmons because they went to a barber shop and their barber tested positive for COVID. Don't go to barber shops. I don't know why. They're like a cesspool for Corona. I have no idea why, but 
Yeah, so for Team Durant, Bradley Beal led the way with 26. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving had 24. Jason Tatum had 21, along with Harden, who had 21 as well. Zach Levine for the Bulls. Kiermu, uh, he, he had 13. And then Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz had 15. And people were trash-talking the Jazz a little bit, which I thought was hilarious, because I don't think they're that good. And they just they signed Rudy Gobert, who's, a, who's practically a center, to just an absurd contract, which, again, in the NBA, money is just not a concept they're fluent in and how it works and, like, how much you should be paying people. I just – the players are getting a ridiculous amount of money, and we're going to talk about one in just a second here. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the All-Star – I just watched highlights of this. It was okay. The three-point contest, that's always entertaining. Steph Curry won that. Again, he's very good at basketball, in case you forgot. And then the slam dunk contest, uh, of his, the guy who won, his name is Afreni, on, Onfreni, Onfreni Simmons. He won the slam dunk contest. I I mean, I had to look him up. I'm sorry. Uh, he plays for the Trailblazers. He's Damian Lillard's backup, so he basically never plays. Uh, he's 21 years old, averages eight points a game. So, yeah, he is your dunk contest winner from Sunday. Yeah, it's just weird. I, I I don't know. The All-Star game just has lost its its meaning. I think back in the day, right, it was just it used to be something where like the, you know, it was like really competitive between the East and the West, and we just don't have that now and uh, it's just weird. I just it's just so high scoring and it's uh it's whatever, man. It's whatever. Another piece of NBA news I wanted to bring to your attention before I move on here. So Blake Griffin, remember him back in the day with the Clippers? He's actually, if you didn't, if you thought he was out of the league, you were wrong. He just plays in Detroit. So same thing. But uh, he <laughs> he joins uh, the the new big three in Brooklyn. He uh, is going to the Nets to play with Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden. He um, is on his way there. He agreed to a buyout on the remaining $56.5 million left on his contract with the Pistons. I'm going to say that again because it's absurd. So, yes, Blake Griffin agreed to a buyout on the remaining, remaining $56.5 million left on his contract with the Pistons. He signed a five-year, $171 million deal with Detroit couple years ago and i i just don't like i mean he's good but he's not five year 171 million good for you blake griffin but yeah so he goes from that in detroit now he's going to be playing for the veteran minimum with the nets which is about one and a half million dollars it helps them out a lot blake griffin uh is a you know he's good athlete he's a good defender solid rebounder he can occasionally hit the jumper Outside, I think he um, has extended his range as he's gotten older and um, spent more time in the league. And so, yeah, it, it helps the Nets a lot. It gives them more depth. And obviously, uh, their their bar is Eastern Conference Finals slash NBA Finals or bust. I mean, that is the expectation of this super team. We'll see if they can win a championship. I, I don't know, man. I think when it comes down to it, when you have like Kyrie and James Harden, I don't know about Kevin Durant yet, but I, I, they just don't have that X factor down the stretch in the playoffs, right? I mean, Harden at times feels like he's not as dedicated as other players. 
You know, we had that whole fiasco in Houston where he essentially demanded a trade, get me out of here, right? I mean, talent can only get you so far when you're James Harden. I just think that, like, you know, if they run into, like, uh, the Lakers in the finals or, you know, another team in the East, maybe, like, the Celtics, and they figure out what the hell they're doing. Or maybe even Miami, they're they're picking up uh, some momentum, too. The Bucks could potentially be there, too, but I don't think um, Giannis has enough uh, has enough support. I don't think they addressed enough in free in the in the off season. I, I don't know. They have the talent to get to the finals, but can can they get there? I think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant could they, could take them over the over the top, and um, you know pick up the slack that James Harden is going to definitely leave come place come postseason. But they they have to figure out how the hell they're going to defend because that's their biggest issue right now. Is like they can't play defense at all. Kevin Durant's a good defender, uh, but Kyrie Irving and James Harden are liabilities. So, Blake bringing bringing Blake Griffin in is good. Maybe they go like a bigger lineup with uh, with Griffin and then DeAndre Jordan, so two former Clippers, and then you have Durant in there with Harden and Kyrie, and so maybe like the the other three guys can pick up the slack that Kyrie Irving and James Harden leave defensively. We'll see, man. I don't know. It's I just at the end of the day, I just don't trust James Harden and those those other two superstars. I just I just think that like they don't have the cohesion to win a championship, but they have the talent to do it. So I don't know. Time will tell. All right, that's it for the weekend sports recap. Let's talk Pod Squad. Okay, so spring training, we're going right. We're we're on our second week now. We're cooking with gas. We're only about a little over three weeks away from. Uh, from regular season baseball, which is really exciting. So there were three games I wanted to recap that happened last week. So on Friday, the Padres, they played the Giants, and they beat them 9-3. to Some highlights from this game, Trent Grisham, Eric Hosmer, and Manny Machado, they all had RBIs. And then Igwe Rosario, I hope I'm saying that correctly, E-G-U-Y, Igwe Rosario. And then my favorite name so far, uh, Tucupita Marcano. Two, they, uh, both those guys had two run dingers. Uh, on the mound, Joe Musgrove made his first start as a Padre, and he looked good. Two innings pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. Drew Pomeranz came in after him. I believe it was his first start of the post uh, postseason of spring training. One inning pitched, one hit, no runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. Emilio Pagan came in next, and he struggled a little bit. Or I should say a lot of it. Four hits, three runs, two strikeouts. One of those hits was a home run. And then Kinner, Miller, and Christmas pitched the last four innings. And they gave up one hit, two walks, and five strikeouts. Miller struck out all three batters that he faced. This game only went... uh, No, it went eight. They've been kind of jumping all over the place as far as innings. Like I said, the first two weeks, you can kind of play as many as you want. Like, you know, obviously nine being max, but I think you can go as 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 low as five innings if you want to. And then on Saturday, Padres played the Dodgers. So this was our first little uh, preview of this series. I believe that these guys, uh, these teams rather, are going to be facing each other 19 times during, during the regular season, which is cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, Chris Paddock was on the mound for us, taking on Trevor Bauer. Uh, now, real quick, I gotta I gotta talk about Bauer uh, because he 
he has been doing some antics. So during this game when he was out there, he pitched with one eye closed. And then after the game, he was saying, well, if they can't, if I can get strikeouts or they can't hit me with one eye closed, then how the hell are they going to do it when I have both eyes open? And part of me likes this, but then the other part is like he's a Dodger now, so I'm supposed to hate him. I got to be honest, last season, I, I loved Trevor Bauer, like when he wasn't on the Dodgers. Like I was all for like the Twitter stuff and like the on-the-mound the on antics and all the things like that. Like I think it's good for baseball. Like I welcome all of it, like all of the theatrics and the bat flips and all that stuff. Like I think it's good for the game. But now he's on the Dodgers. And so I'm kind of like torn because I have admir- I, I have respect for him, I guess is the word, as a pitcher. But I, I'm supposed to hate him because he's on the Dodgers. So I think that, but I, I think that's okay. And this made me think back to many moons ago when uh, the, the Yankees and Red Sox rivalry, when it was at its peak, right? So um, I, when I remember watching like Derek Jeter and A Rod and, uh, you know, Mariano Rivera, and then for the Red Sox, right, you had uh, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and Pedro Martinez and all those great iconic Red Sox and Yankees players. And I think as a Yankee fan, right, when you come up against like a Ortiz or other players like him, you know, those like Hall of Fame level players, there there's definitely there there's definitely like some admiration for them even if you hate their guts, right? I mean, even when Derek Jeter retired, I remember there were Red Sox fans that were like, "Man, like I'm glad, like, I'm glad we're not playing him anymore. But at the same time, it's like, I wish we had a player like that, you know? And so I think that that's kind of my take on Bauer. And uh, there's other Dodgers as well that I, you know, have respect for, like Clayton Kershaw. I'll deny it ever. I'll deny this in public, but like, when he won, when the Dodgers won the World Series last year, even with the COVID stuff, like, I was really happy for Kershaw to finally. You know, get it because he's just been he's just dominated the league for just so many years that, you know, for him finally get that ring. Like, I, you know, it was like a tip of the cap. Right. So I think that you can I think that like as a Padres fan, I can have that respect for Dodgers players like Kershaw, like Bauer, like Mookie Betts, even how like um, Cody Ballinger, when he made that catch in the playoffs against the Padres out in center field when he robbed Tatis. I mean, you know, in the moment, it's like, oh, like, motherfucker. But, like, <laughs> but, um, you know, after the game and maybe, like, a week removed, you're like, you know what? That was a hell of a play by Bellinger. You know, like, you just have kind of, like, respect for the talent and the game and not necessarily, like, you know, just hating everybody just for the sake of hating them. Which, you know, as it like, and I'm sure maybe there's Dodgers fans out there, too, uh, that have respect for Padre players. Well, maybe. I mean, Dodger fans are scumbags. Kidding. But not really. Uh, that probably, you know, have respect for, like, Tatis Jr. And, like, you know, watch maybe, like, plays that he makes. And it's like, you know, wow, that's insane. Or, like, Manny Machado. Or now, like, you Darvish or Blake Snell. And so I think that, like, that um, respect between rivals, I think, is is good. I, I think game recognizes game, right? And if anything, it heightens uh, the rivalry, right? I mean, it's, oh, my God. Like, it's so much better now that, like, the, you know, the Padres – are trying to, you know, pretty close to the Dodgers when it comes to – I mean, obviously the Dodgers are um, the best team in, in baseball. I don't think anybody could argue that. But I mean, like the Padres have really um, 
done well over the, you know, started last season and then this year in the offseason to, you know, build a roster that can compete with them. So I'm excited for this rivalry. And we got a taste of this on Saturday. Uh, the Padres beat them two to one. Gasuke Kato, uh, the uh, local boy from Rancho Bernardo, he drove in the game winning runs in the six. He had a blooper single to left. Uh, like I said, Paddock was on the mound for us. He looked good again in his second start of the spring. Uh, two innings pitch, two hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. Bauer on the other side, he went three innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Morahone came in after Paddock. He uh, two innings pitched, uh, three walks, two strikeouts, and no runs. He uh, got into a bases loaded, uh, got out of a bases loaded jam by a nice play by who else in the spring? C.J. Abrams, who was just killing it. Uh, it was a lot. He uh, caught a uh, liner in between uh, first and second. It was nice. He was kind of falling back, caught it, then flipped to second for the out, the double play to get them out of the inning, which is really cool. Um, real quick, speaking of Morahone. I think he's going to be huge for this upcoming season because uh, I'm concerned about Denelson Lamette. Haven't seen him yet. The reports are that he's like still, you know, rehabbing, still doing like batting practice stuff, things like that. And I, I don't. He, he's pitching during batting practices. He's not batting, right? Even though he has to in the National League. Anywho, I, I think that the next man up into the rotation, right? If Lamette can't go. This season, or you know, we we don't get him right when the season starts, is Morahone. So I like that he's getting the work in. Um, I think it's about time that we, you know, he he needs to be able to go if we need him to four or five innings plus. And so I think that like him getting this extra work is good. So he's another guy to keep an eye on during spring training, especially if we don't see Lamet at all before opening day. And then another pitcher that had a nice game on Saturday, Keone Kilu, who came over from the Pirates. He struck out all three batters he faced. He looked really nasty on Saturday. It was good to see. And then Sunday, we had Yu Darvish. He made his debut as a Padre pitcher, and he looked the best out of everybody in the rotation so far. It's good, man. He looked he looked solid. Really, really good. Two innings pitched for him. Only one hit, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts which you love to see one of them was like a nasty change if it was disgusting like it just dropped like so fast right at, like right below the guys he, he, it was nasty man it was disgusting um the pitchers after darvish though they really struggled in this one uh the royals had batters on base on base like all day or runners on base i should say like all day mark melanson came in after him he gave up one hit but he had two walks then stamen came in he gave up two walks Come on, come on, Stamen. We've been through this. Uh, Troy Hill came in. He was all right. And then after him, Dan Altavia gave up a run. And then after Altavia came in, Austin Adams made his debut of the spring. He hit the first batter. Not great. Then the next pitch was a wild pitch. So it's like, ah, oh, Jesus. Uh, but he got out of it. Struck out the next two batters and then fly out. But then unfortunately, in the ninth, the Royals would score three runs and we couldn't mount the comeback. We would lose four to three. Um, offensively, though, we did score three runs. Two of them were via the home run ball. Trent Grisham hit a leadoff home run. I think he's pretty much solidified that leadoff spot. Uh, he was a great defender last year, too. Love me some Trent Grisham. And then Eric Osmer, he had a yaya of his own in the fourth. And then C.J. Abrams doing it in the field and with his bat. He keeps rolling. He had an RBI single in the eighth. But we could not come back in the ninth, so we fall to the Royals. But, again, I don't really care. 
about the spring training record at all. I just hope that, you know, we, we start the season strong. That's my, that's been like my biggest, I guess, mantra, if you will, is that we start the season, is that we start the season strong. There's a lot of hype around the Potters right now. We got Fernando Tatis Jr., the like, you know, up and coming face of baseball. I still think Mookie Betts has that slot or hell. I mean, even Mike Trout, who's I, I, it was still the best player in baseball. Right. So I think Tatis, you know, he's, he's up and coming, right. He got the massive contract. He's on the face of uh, the video game MLB, the show. You know, we had all these offseason moves. We were the talk of the offseason, bringing in Snell and Darvish and all these other pieces. And so, like, I just, like, can we handle this pressure, right? Can, like, we start off fast and keep the momentum going? Because, you know, I, I like, who knows? Like, you know, it's going to, I think a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jace Tingler to, you know, keep the momentum going, like, keep people grounded, right? Like, don't don't completely buy into the hype. I think it's good to be confident, but not to be arrogant. Like, where it's like, yeah, we're better than these teams. You know, on paper, solid team, but it's like the execution is the tough part. So hopefully we can, you know, string some spring training wins together down uh, the stretch, like maybe like a week or so before opening day and carry some momentum into the regular season and get off to a solid start. All right, that is it for Pod Squad and some baseball. Let's move to the NFL. So the benefit of recording today is that you're going to hear stuff that you would have to wait until Wednesday to hear, which is nice. Uh, So it begins in the NFL, right? I talked about how there's going to be a ton of moves this offseason. Oh, the Padres play today. That's what I forgot to cover. Sorry. Padres play today. Blake Snell back on the bump, which is cool. So Blake Snell is going to be making his second start in the spring training. Here is the lineup. They are playing the White Sox. Batting first in that leadoff spot, Trent Grissom. He's going to be in center, batting second, Manny Machado at third, batting third, Eric Hosmer playing first base. Will Myers is going to be batting cleanup. He's out and right. Tommy Pham will be at batting fifth. He's our DH today. Austin Nola will be behind the plate, catching for Blake Snell. He'll be batting sixth. Jorge Mateo out in left field. He'll be batting seventh. Ivan Castillo will be at second base. And then batting ninth, you can't take him out of the lineup right now, C.J. Abrams. Really exciting. If you had not seen Abrams at all, go look up some highlights of the spring training so far. Uh, he has been outstanding. So that is the lineup for today. Hopefully Snell has a good start. Okay, back to back to football. Sorry about that. Okay, so ton of moves going on this week. It's going to be shenanigans, right? Free agency deadline. or When the free agency starts, March 17th, so you got to make decisions on, you know, are you going to release players? Are you going to try to trade them? Things like that. So here's some news that's been going on um, that started yesterday. And some news that happened this morning. So, the Patriots are reacquiring Trent Brown from the Raiders. Now, uh, this is kind of this made me laugh a little bit because uh, so Monday this was supposed to, I was supposed to uh, you know talk about the AFC West and you know, give a little breakdown, right? And Trent Brown was a name when I got to the Raiders that I talked about saying how the Raiders will most likely try to release like will try to trade or release him because you know that he's been dealing with injuries last season. He barely played at all, and so it's cool to see that, like, my idea, like, what I'm saying was correct. Like, that that was sick for me. That, like, oh, like, I actually kind of know what I'm talking about, which was cool. So, let's continue. The Patriots, they acquired, reacquired Trent Brown from the Raiders, and they restructured a deal to be worth up to $11 million. 
The Tennessee Titans, they're sending their 2020 first-round draft pick, Isaiah Wilson, a left tackle, to the Dolphins, and they're going to swap seventh-round draft picks. He was the 29th overall pick last year, and uh, it's just it's a bummer when stuff like this happens, man. Uh, Wilson, he's had some off-the-field issues. He only played four snaps, not four starts, four snaps um, as a rookie last year with Tennessee. And so um, he has previous history with Brian Flores. They know each other, so hopefully they can get the most out of Wilson. Um, you know, he's a first-round draft pick, so the talent is there. And uh, and unfortunately, he just wasn't able to materialize in Tennessee. So we'll be heading down to Miami, see if, he, if uh, they can get the most out of him there. And then we had a couple of franchise tags come in. So... Uh, this is another one I called. The Jets tagged safety Marcus May. I said that either franchise tag him or put him in a long-term deal. So that was cool uh, that that came true. The Giants, they tagged the defensive end Leonard Williams, who balled out last year, had 11 and a half sacks. He was nasty. Uh, the Bucks, they franchise tagged their wide receiver Chris Godwin, which, uh, you know, was expected. He uh, he he said that he uh, didn't want to leave Tampa. He'd try to make a deal done, so they're going to franchise that game. Jacksonville Jaguars, they have tagged their left tackle, Cam Robinson, who's actually really, really solid, um, you know, going to protect Trevor Lawrence on his blind side, which is cool. I mean, I expect the Jaguars to draft Trevor Lawrence. There's some talk that it could be Zach Wilson from BYU, but I don't, I don't buy that. I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And then Allen Robinson. Wide receiver for Dub Bears, he got the franchise tag too. People were, you know, a little, little unsure if he was going to get it. I think for Robinson, this makes a ton of sense to go on the franchise tag. Uh, normally, there's a lot of talk of that players don't like the franchise tag because you know you don't get that long term contract, that guaranteed money. But like for Robinson, I think this makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of uh, unknowns with the Bears franchise right now. You know, for starters, who the hell is going to be throwing in the ball this year? Like, no idea. I mean, there's reports about them trying to go get Russell Wilson. Same with Deshaun Watson. Sam Darnold's now available. Maybe they go that route. But, I mean, as it stands right now, it's Strabisky or Nick Foles. And so, you know, that's uncertainty. And then number two, uh, the future of Matt Nagy, the head coach, and then the GM, Ryan Pace. I mean, they could be out of a job a year from now. So if I'm Robinson, like, I don't feel great tying myself to a long-term deal if the team is going to just like, you know, fall off the rails. So I think that the franchise tag in this situation makes a ton of sense. He's going to get about $18 million this season. A couple guys that aren't going to get the tag. Uh, Falcon safety, Keanu Neal. I think this guy is a stud. He's just a little bit injury prone. So he's parting ways with Atlanta. He's going to be a free agent. And then a big one, he's going to get a lot of suitors. Kenny Galladay, wide receiver from the Lions. I was surprised that they let him go. Last season was just injury riddled, and he, uh, you know, never really was never really was a hundred percent. He played a few games, but you could tell he was banged up. I like Kenny Galladay a lot. I think he's one of the, I think he, he he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Like I I, I think he's top ten. I think I, he just he has it all, man. I think he's like kind of similar to like a DeAndre Hopkins, where he's got really good hands. I think, I mean, obviously Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers. He's like a top three. But I think Galladay is on his way there. I just think that he's got to be on the field. And so maybe that's why the Lions didn't want to go, didn't want to commit all that money to him. So he's going to hit the mar- the open market, and there are going to be teams trying to go after him. I, I think as it stands right now with Godwin and Robinson getting the tag, I think that Galladay is your number one 
wide receiver in free agency right now. And then the big story from yesterday to round out the news, Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, he finally gets the paper. He finally gets paid. A four-year, $160 million deal, $126 million guaranteed. Last year, played on the franchise tag, got injured. People were concerned, and then you know he comes back, and um, you know talks keep going, and he finally gets that contract. He wanted near Patrick Mahomes' money, and he got pretty close. He is currently the second highest paid quarterback annually. Mahomes is at that number one spot. He makes $45 million a year. Prescott now slots in that number two, making $40, $41 million. Deshaun Watson third at $39 million. Russell Wilson at $35 million. And then tied fifth, uh, we got Aaron Rodgers. And then Jared Goff at $33.5 million. So, yeah, he finally gets that paper. Good for him. First things first, happy for him. Like, I really am. I think that Dak... It's hard to be the face of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, franchise quarterback there. And I think that he handled the pressure well, comes in, works hard. And um, I'm glad that he got that deal done. I think from like a business standpoint, it makes a ton of sense to stay in Dallas. You know, um, housing is relatively cheap out there. Uh, it's a it's a great market for football. I mean, uh, you know, there's that uh, sleep number commercial that Dak's in that like circulated all of last season. I think he also was in a Greek yogurt commercial. Just to put things in perspective, Russell Wilson, who I think is a better quarterback than Dak. How many commercials have you seen of Russell Wilson? Not that many. Like, when's the what was the last Russell Wilson commercial that you've seen? I I don't I can't think of one at the top of my head. You know, and that's because he's in Seattle, where it rains all the time, and like the the football market is smaller there, right? So I'm happy for Dak that he got this deal done. Uh, you know, and he battled. Uh, hopefully, he comes back from the injury better than ever, and he balls out, which is which is what he was doing prior to him having that season-ending injury. However, <clears throat> I have been adamant about this since the very beginning. Like as soon as Dak went down, right last season, this is a mistake from the Cowboys organization. Like th- th- this is this is a mistake. And the, and the reason why it's a mistake is because Jerry Jones is thinking with his heart and not his brain. He, he, he makes his players happy. That, like, and this is why like, Jerry Jones should just be an owner and not a GM. Because like, the, he's, he's just too, too close to the players. Like, he, he wants to make his players happy. And I'm not saying that Dak doesn't deserve... A contract right now. I mean, it's a little bit. It's a lot. Forty-one million a year for Dak. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a top twelve, maybe top fourteen quarterback in the league. I mean, it's a lot for Dak. But my issue here is that Jerry Jones overspends a lot consistently because he's a bad GM. Great owner, right? It's a guy if, if you'd love to play for Jerry Jones because he loves his players and will go out of his way for his players, and you know he'll give them you know, incentivize them, like, with money, I guess, with these ridiculous contracts. Like, Zeke got that absurd contract. Amari Cooper, uh, Jalen Smith, and now Dak Prescott. But the problem is, is that, like, it's not, like, like, from a business standpoint, it's terrible. Like, it's really not a good idea. And so now you're stuck with, like, these massive contracts, 
and you don't have the personnel to like sustain like this team. I mean, the defense needs a complete rehaul. Like they are horrendous. Like they're awful. There's like Demarcus Lawrence, their pass rusher. That's it. Like everybody else, like is like is not good. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch. He doesn't. He can't. He can't be on the field for like entire season. He's constantly injured. You know, they're the promising linebacker out of Boise State. But uh, there's so many guys like that just aren't that good. And so, you know, hopefully. They, they, they got to find a way to get the defense better. I'll talk more about them uh, when I do the NFC East preview but or, or breakdown. But, man, I, I it's just Dak Prescott is good. All right? Like, I mean, and sometimes he's great. And I like Dak Prescott a lot. And, like, again, I am so happy that he got this deal done. I'm happy he got paid. It's fantastic, especially, go, especially after his injury. But you need special. At quarterback, when Jerry Jones is your owner slash GM, you need dynamic. You need top five quarterback. You need like a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson or a Josh Allen. Like, and Prescott's not that guy. And so I think that this is going to kind of be like a Matt Stafford situation with Detroit, right? Where Stafford wasn't really the issue with the Lions, it was everything else around him, right? Now, I think Stafford's a better quarterback than Prescott, but it's going to be a lot of empty stats from Dak which is what he had last year, where he's balling out. He was on pace for, like, 5,000 passing yards. It was absurd. And he was, like, you know, he's breaking, like, all these records. It was nutty. And that's what you're going to get with, with Dak for the next four years here, at least, is you're just going to see high-scoring games from Dallas. You're going to see, you know, Dak have a solid stat line, but then they'll lose the game. Or they'll be in shootouts constantly, and then maybe it'll, it'll tip their way. This team is going to go like, you know, maybe 8 and 8, 9 and 7 around there, which might be enough to win their piss poor division in the NFC East. But that's it. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. And that was my claim that if they signed Dak to this long term deal, then they were going to be irrelevant for the rest of the decade. Now, maybe, maybe just five years, for the next five years, it'll be irrelevant. But I, I think, and I think it'll last longer than that. And it's because Jerry Jones, too many times, wants to be your friend and doesn't want to be your boss. And so that's where we are. But once again, congrats to Dak here. Well deserved. I think he's, you know, he's done, he's done all on a, like he's, you know, he's done everything he can for this organization. And so I'm happy. And I, I can't wait to see him. I hope that he looks really good in the next season. Um, next season, coming back from his injury. And I think that a lot of the reports, right, say that Dallas doesn't. You know, I, I think Dallas this year, I haven't looked at their schedule, but they'll probably go around that 8-8 eight and eight mark, like I said. And I think now, like, the heat gets removed from Jerry Jones a little bit, where it's like, well, we got we, we paid Dak his money. Like, what, is Dak not doing enough? And I think that that is just, you know, having him be a martyr for the actual, like, for Jerry Jones is troublesome. It's kind of like Mike McCarthy this year was a scapegoat for Jerry Jones, and now Dak has become one as well. And so I just think that Dallas, because of this, it's just not going to end well for them. They should have either tried to get somebody in free agency that was a lot cheaper or gone to the draft. Well, in a, in a year where rookie quarterbacks um, in a year where the quarterback draft class is outstanding. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm prove me wrong Dallas, but I think that's, that's kind of how they're going to be for the, for the foreseeable future is irrelevant. 
All right, let's get to the AFC West breakdown. I kind of rambled on a little bit there about Dak Prescott, but it's big news. And again, I am I'm happy for him. I really am. Okay, so AFC West, last team in the AFC here. Let's uh, talk about them. So again, if you haven't been paying attention um, or watching, paying attention, if you haven't been watching uh, the episodes the past few weeks, basically I am going through and I'm uh, you know summarizing each team's uh, season last year. And then I'm going to go into, you know, what their cap situation is heading into the offseason, um, any free agents that they might have, they might want to re-sign or let go, things like that. So let's start with the runners-up in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs. They went 14-2 and in the regular season. They lost to Brady and the Bucks in that Super Bowl. They had COVID issues um, during the, uh, before that game on their offensive line. Once again, a barbershop. Crazy. Uh, but at the end of the day, they got outplayed in this game. It didn't, it didn't really matter. Um, it's not like they're going anywhere, though. Patrick Mahomes, still really good. Andy Reid, hell of a head coach. And uh, they're already in contention for another Super Bowl. Like They have just have that much talent on their roster. Now, they are going to have to make some tough decisions. As it stands right now, they're $20 million over the cap. And there's not really a lot of dead wood that they can release to save a bunch of money. There's not a lot of like veterans that have you know uh, big cap hits to release and so what the route i think the chiefs are going to go is they're going to probably restructure some contracts uh, for example on the defensive side you got frank clark and the honey badger tyron matthew combined these guys are a 45 million dollar cap hit this season on the offensive side tyreek hill he's a 16 travis kelsey is a 14 million dollar cap hit so i imagine that these are some of the guys that the Chiefs might sit down with and try to restructure their deal to make it more friendly towards their cap to get some more money and maybe attract some free agents. Speaking of free agents, there's a few that I think they're going to let walk. Uh, first off, their wide receiver, Sammy Watkins, unless he takes another team-favored deal, um, you know, he wants to stay there, maybe compete for another ring. I could see him leaving. Alex Okafor, their defensive end. Their guard, Kalichi Osemele, uh, and Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that they'll resign him. I think they'll go with the, the rookie, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And they also get, is it Darren Williams? The the MVP of, or I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Williams, he opt out, opted out of last season due to COVID. They get him back as well. And so I think that Le'Veon Bell will probably try to go to another team on another one-year deal. Some players that they should resign. I think priority number one for the Chiefs is their safety, Daniel Sorison. He makes a nice uh, one-two punch with the Honey Badger back there. Uh, two wide receivers that they might uh, consider, Byron Pringle and then Demarcus Robinson. I think that they need to bring at, bring back at least one of these guys, uh, Speed Demons, right? Uh, maybe both. If I had to pick between the two, I'd take Demarcus Robinson. Uh, their tackle, Andrew Wiley, is another name they should consider resigning as well. And then a side note here, uh, their fullback, Anthony Sherman, he is retiring. This was kind of an all-around guy, uh, did everything for the uh, for, for the team. And, you know, would, would obviously would block as a fullback, but, you know, go out on passes, score the occasional touchdown. You know, just an all-around solid utility piece on the offense. But it's not like the Chiefs are lacking in that category. So he'll be missed. Um, the, fullback, the fullback position uh, isn't really, you know, it's a dying breed, right? It's more of like a like a tight end position now, right? Where um, it makes me it makes you think of the Niners with Kyle Juszczyk. Where Juszczyk, I mean, he obviously, yeah, he's a fullback and he blocks 
predominantly, but he also goes out on routes a lot. And he's essentially like um, that, like in between a tight end and a running back. That's kind of where uh, the fullback position is right now. Overall, though, the Chiefs will figure it out their cap situation, like whether through restructuring or releasing some other guys. Uh, they're going to be fine with Mahomes, obviously, and they're going to be competitive again. All right, next team here, the Las Vegas Raiders. So they were uh, one of the two teams that actually beat Kansas City this year, and they also they almost beat them twice. They finished 8-8 eight and eight during the regular season, which um, was disappointing because at one point they looked like they were going to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, they lost five out of their last seven games, and uh, one of their wins out of those last seven was that Hail Mary against the Jets. So against any other team, they lose six out of the last seven. I talked a lot about the Raiders last year. I think they have a ton of talent on offense. I like Derek Carr a lot. Uh, Josh Jacobs, solid, solid running back. You got the Walrus, Darren Waller, Goo Goo Gachube. And then on defense, they only have like three players there, right? They have Max Crosby, their defensive end. They got Nick Wachowski, their linebacker, who might not be back. And then you have Jonathan Abram, their safety, who I think is up and coming. He just has to stay on the field. He just can't seem to stay healthy for an entire season. But, yeah, the defense is where the Raiders really need to address is, – is what the Raiders really need to address this offseason. They need a pass rush. They need more help in the secondary. Now, they did draft a rookie cornerback in Damon Arnett, and he was fine last season, but they need more support. Now, the Raiders have already made some moves. They released Tyrell Williams uh, two weeks ago, and he's already re-signed a deal with the Lions, which – when that happened, I thought, oh, maybe they're not going to re-sign Galladay, so, and it turned out to be right. Uh, releasing Williams, that saved the Raiders over $10 million. They also uh, released their guard, Richie Incognito, which was a, which was a surprise to me because I thought he was one of the best. I, I, th- I thought he was playing his best football with the Raiders. Trent Brown, already talked about that, where he uh, got released, and now he's on – or he got traded to the Patriots, which saved them about $15 million in uh against their um for their cap i guess i should say uh and then he restructured a deal with the patriots that works out at about 11 but it saved the raiders roughly 15 million like i said i didn't think he'd be worth the headache and uh with the, after all the injuries speaking of a cap hit there's two guys that i think the raiders might look to trade or release their safety lamarcus joiner marcus joiner and then quarterback Marcus Mariota, both of these guys are an $11 million cap hit, which is just a lot. It's way too much, probably. And so uh, Mariota looked like uh, – we'll see um, next week if Mariota maybe gets any suitors. I think he could potentially land up in, land in Chicago, maybe even Washington. Who knows? Um, and then LaMarcus Joyner, solid safety, but probably just not worth the $11 million that he wants. Some free agents for the Raiders that they might want to consider – Resigning. So Nelson Aguilar, their wide receiver, he was a bum in Philly uh, two seasons ago. Uh, drops upon drops upon drops. He was horrendous. But he comes to the Raiders last season, and he was great. He had over a thousand yards receiving. So if he doesn't resign with the Raiders, I think that he will earn a deal somewhere. I also expect him to bring back their guard Denzel Good, who was better than good last season. Pun intended. Uh, he was a really great utility lineman. He played 
all up and down that line from left tackle to right tackle. He played everywhere, especially when they had a, a lot of guys out due to injury, like Trent Brown, Incognito missed a few games as well. And so I think utility offensive linemen, you can never have enough of them. So I imagine that they will re-sign him as well. The big question I have for the Raiders this offseason is if they is can they do enough in free agency? Right? Like like can they can they get those high profile defensive players from other teams, right? Like are they like would would those guys be willing to go to to the Raiders? Now there are a couple of things that can help them out, right? There's a couple incentives, right? Number 1, John Gruden, okay? He's a play, uh he's he's well respected, he's a player coach, you know, his his players tend to love tend to like like love him and like playing for him. And so that's a good incentive for a free agent. And then the second is you're in Vegas, baby, with a kick-ass new stadium. I mean, this thing looks bitchin'. So there's a couple incentives to go play for the Raiders. Um, we'll just see if they can um, outbid other teams for these guys. Because, yeah, I mean, I think that the offense is in a great spot right now. I just think that defensively they have to get better everywhere. So... We'll see if they can do that in one offseason. Maybe have a solid draft. Who knows? All right. Let's move to the Mile High City. Denver and the Broncos. They went 5-11 and last year. Uh, I think this is one of the teams that's a quarterback away from being competitive. Not Super Bowl bound. Not yet. But they could definitely make things interesting and definitely be in the hunt for a playoff spot. Now, the reports are that they're sticking with Drew Locke, which is a mistake, in my opinion. So it's going to be one more season of mediocrity, and then they're going to move on. Denver's been making some moves already. They released their cornerback, A.J. Bouye. Just never really worked out. And uh, their defensive tackles, Kyle Pico and Jarrell Casey. They've also franchise-tagged their safety, Justin Simmons, which is a no-brainer. This kid's a stud. He's one of the best safeties in football. He's going to want a fat contract, so they're going to need to prepare for that in a in next season. Right now, the Broncos cap situation looks at uh, looks like they have about thirty five million dollars, uh, and they have a lot of really simple ways that they can get more. First things first, they can release Von Miller, which sounds crazy on paper because he's you know dominant pass rusher still, uh, but there's some question marks. Right, you don't know how he's going to look after the injury. You know, you're not sure. And also, $18 million is what you'd have to pay for him this year, and you could save that by moving off of him. And so I think that just makes a ton of sense. Melvin Gordon, another guy that they might want to consider releasing. He was okay last year. I never really understood the deal for him because they have Philip Lindsay, and I thought that he was great. And they had, you know, another backup that was fine. But they went and got him. Last season, he's a $9 million cap hit this year. I don't think he's worth $9 million. There's plenty of guys, like you, they, plenty of running backs that you can pick up in free agency or like get a draft one in this year's NFL draft that can fall in the end zone that cost a hell of a lot less. And so I expect them to move off of Melvin Garden too. Uh, they also tenured three players, linebacker A.J. Johnson, 
wide receiver Tim Patrick, who really stepped up without Cortland Sutton, and uh, the rookies underperforming. Jerry Judy got hot at the end of the season, but he struggled uh, for a while adjusting to the NFL. And then running back Philip Lindsay, who I like a lot. Those three guys got tenured. Some other free agents that they should look to re-sign, excuse me, defensive tackle Shelby Harris, who if he hits the open market, he would get plenty of suitors. I think this guy's a monster still. Like he, he bats down more passes than anybody. It's crazy. Uh, linebacker Jeremiah Atachu, I think, is very solid. Provides depth for their team. And then their safety, Kareem Jackson, who is expensive. He wants about $11 million annually, but I think he's worth it. Right now, I think Denver is in a very similar position to the Bears. Like, well, they're like a year behind the Bears, right? Like they 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 are where the Bears were last two seasons ago, right? That's where the that's where they are right now. Where they they have their they have their quarterback, right? Bears have, Bears have Mitch Trubisky. Broncos have Drew Locke. And they, they're just afraid of being wrong or afraid of saying that they made a mistake. And so what the Bears did is that they just didn't rip the Band-Aid off. They tried to put duct tape on the situation. And now here we are, like a couple years later from that, and we still have no idea what the hell we're doing. Denver has an opportunity here to like move off of Drew Locke and go get somebody in free agency or go draft somebody in this year's NFL draft. But they're not going to do it. I think that's a mistake because, I again, Drew Locke is not the guy. I don't think he's your answer. And I know it's frustrating trying to replace Peyton Manning and failing year after year. Like, you know, you, Paxson Lynch brought him in. That didn't work. Joe Flacco, that didn't work. And now Drew Locke, right? Nuh-uh, doesn't, doesn't look good. So I'm not going to take the Broncos seriously until they move off of Drew Locke. And hopefully it happens sooner rather than later because the last thing you want is to be like the Bears right now where, you know, we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. Trubisky and Foles are still on the roster. They're at the, I mean, there's been rumors, but nothing, you know, um, definitive. And so, yeah, I think that the Broncos have – are similar to the Bears because they have a great defense, but they're not getting enough from their quarterback, which means they're not getting enough from their offense. And so the quickest way for them to remedy remedy this situation is to move off of Drew Locke. Otherwise, who knows, man? Like, like it's just, it just it, it's just like a vicious cycle right now, you know. And it's a bummer. That's why I I said for them, I think that they're a little bit gun shy because they've been failing in the draft these past few years to get a franchise quarterback. That's why I thought they should bring in a veteran free agent like a Marcus Mariota or, you know, somebody along those lines. We'll, I'm, but it looks like they're going to stick with Drew Locke, which is a bummer for Broncos fans everywhere. And uh, it's good for the last team we're going to talk about, though, the Chargers, because hopefully we can get wins off them. So, yeah, the L.A. Chargers, last team in the AFC we're going to talk about. So they were 7-9 and nine last year which <laughs> they should have been at least a 10-win team, if not for just the absolute choke jobs in all those games. That's in the past, though. Anthony Lynn is gone. New head coach in there in Brandon Staley, who's supposed to be a defensive guru, 
Uh, we got our franchise quarterback, unlike Denver, in Justin Herbert. And we got about $32 million in cap space, which is nice. Uh, now, Mike Pouncey, he's gone. He retired along with his brother. Uh, they're also looking to try to trade their guard, Trey Turner. If uh, if they can't trade him, then they'll end up just releasing him, and that would save about $11.5 million. Hunter Henry also made the news today because the Chargers are not going to franchise tag him, so he's going to be hitting the open market as a free agent. The franchise tag would have been worth about $12.5 million. I don't think it's enough. I mean, I, don't, I think it's too much, rather, for Henry. It's a guy that's never played a full uh, regular – this guy's never played a full season, had an ACL tear in 2018 that ended his entire season then. Um, I just think that for the amount of money, it's just not worth. A couple other guys that might consider releasing. There's uh, Linval Joseph, the defensive tackle. He uh, He's good, uh, but right now it'd be about $11.5 million to um it would be at about an eleven and a half million cap hit to retain him, so they might they might look to try to trade him on. Uh, there's also two cornerbacks, Casey Hayward and then Chris Harris. They're right now uh, about eleven and a half million cap hit too, and so maybe they move on from them. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I I like them both a lot, and I think that right now, while you don't have to pay Justin Herbert, you should go out. You should be big spenders. You should go all in. I think that the roster has a ton of talent like it always has but we just haven't had that x factor right where we we throw games away late or we get you know passive in the second half and hopefully staley can come in and bring that um focus to to close out to close out games to like have a complete performance and not just show up in the first half and then struggle in the second half, and then try to come from behind, and then fall short. So hopefully our new head coach can come in and do that. Another guy I want to talk about here, who's up, who, who's going to be on the roster next year, is uh, Brian Balaga. So he's an $11 million cap hit, and he again, he's going to stay. We signed him to a three-year deal last year. But man, he's got to be on the field. All right, now I get, now he was injured a lot last season. I think that he tried to play through some games, but man, like, it hurts if 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 he if that's going to be what he is on the Chargers, a guy that plays like a handful of games like that is really like really brutal. We we got him over from Green Bay to be like an everyday right tackle, and so far it's not looking good. Like it's it's been rough. So hopefully he can have a injury free twenty twenty one season. Some free agents the Chargers should consider. Resigning, so the big one is Melvin Ingram. I think right now he wants about sixteen million dollars annually. They could uh, his contract is up. They could franchise tag him, which which makes sense. But he's probably looking for a long term deal. He was frustrated last season not getting one. He wasn't showing up to training camp, things like that. And so I think that he's a must add if they really want to you know compete this year uh, with Ingram along with Joey Bosa. Ooh, that's nasty. Like, that's a nasty pass rush just with those two guys. Denzel Perryman, linebacker that I really like. It'd be about $6 million annually to retain him. I think he's worth it. Tyrod Taylor, uh, quarterback. So he brought him over, right, to be the starter, and then he, his lung got punctured by our uh, <laughs> by our physical trainer, and then Herbert came over, and then the rest is history. 
maybe they move on from Tyrod Taylor, but at the same time, he's a very solid backup where, say, knock on wood, like Herbert goes down and misses some time, then Taylor could come in there and do a job. So might might consider re-signing him. Safety, Jaleel Adai, I like him a lot. I think um, hopefully Derwin James comes back and has an injury-free season as well. So Adai can maybe be a backup to Derwin James or just, you know, maybe the other safety in the lineup. He's a, he's a hard-hitting guy. I like him a lot. Isaac Rochelle, defensive tackle. Kalen Balaj, running back, came over from Miami. Uh, he, he looked good down the stretch, especially because we weren't getting anything from Justin Jackson, um, which was good. Or um, Joshua Kelly, the rookie that we got, who started off hot but then really struggled down the stretch. And then Sam Tevy, uh, left tackle. or was he? I think he was left tackle last year. And uh, he looked promising as well, and he wouldn't cost a lot to retain. One more name I want to add here, uh, Michael Badgley or the Money Badger. Uh, he was anything but money last year. He was horrendous. Uh, kickers are hard to come by, and he's been great in the past. And so I think we, he had a little rough patch, but I look for him to bounce back. So I'd consider re-signing Badge, Badgley as well. Outside of that, when I mean, you're looking like as far as who they should go for in free agency, they need another offensive lineman. Uh, you know, with the uncertainty of Brian Balaga's health, I think that we need to get better in that position too. Uh, the tight end position is something we should look at as well if we're not going to re-sign Hunter Henry. We have a couple of young rookies, but I think that we still could get um, some some improvement there. As far as the defense goes, a big defensive tackle would be great, like somebody like a Shelby Harris. Ooh, I would love that. That'd be outstanding. Um, and then... Depending on Derwin James' situation, we might need another safety as well. I'm excited about the Chargers, man. Almost every year, though, it's like a, this this same same story with them, where you look at the roster on paper and it's just outstanding. You look at like the type, the you know, the caliber of player and the talent. And you're like, oh man, like this is really cool. Once again, like we just have like Kenneth Murray was a rookie last year. He was great. You're just like, oh my god, we have all this talent. We just can't seem to put all the pieces together and have a winning formula. So once again, we're kind of in this boat, but you know it's a little bit different. Justin Herbert, like I said, he's on his rookie contract. We can go out there. We can go get some, some high-profile free agents. Hopefully Staley's the guy to write the ship, to have us comp- like play in a, a complete game, get some, get some victories, string them together, and hopefully make the playoffs. That would be... That would be the best thing that could happen, obviously. All right. Whew, we did it. Third time's a charm. We got through it. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, feel free to share it with you know, friends, family, coworkers, anyone else you might think, anyone else you think might enjoy it as well. Remember, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerks for that. You can also follow on Spotify. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow the Facebook page, Yerks Talks. You can also follow me on Twitter at John Yerks for that. Okay, I'm out of here. I will see you tomorrow. Meanwhile, have a good rest of your Tuesday. Go watch some sports. And yeah, 